say the game is getting old Monday morning and your coffee's cold Hello everyone and welcome to A New Direction. My name is Jay Izzo and oh my goodness do we have another great show for you today. Uh, Colleen Montserrat, I, I think I said that correctly. Did I say your last name correctly? Perfect. Okay. That's perfect, Jay. <laughs> uh, so her book, uh, You Are Not an Imposter. Uh, Overcoming Imposter Syndrome, Unlock Your True Potential So You Can Thrive in Life. Folks, let me just say something. And guys, I'm talking to you too. All right, so in case you decide you want to turn the dial, okay, the fact of the matter is we all face imposter syndrome at some point in our life. We, we, I, I know the statistics say that 70% of people do, but at some point, whether you're younger or older, you face imposter syndrome where you you have this feeling uh, inside of you that says I shouldn't. I don't think I. I don't think I am capable of doing this. I don't think I should be doing this. I'm not qualified to do this. I'm incompetent to do this. I don't have uh, the resources to do this. We've all felt it. I, I. I. The first time I did this show, right, five and a half, six. You know, going up six years now. First time I did the show, I felt imposter syndrome. I'm like, why am I even doing this? And I had. And I honestly. Had to fake it till I made it. That, I mean, that's honestly what I did because I, I felt when I first started the show, I just, I was so not qualified to do the show. And there's been a number of things I felt not qualified to do that I was just, I, I felt like I was an imposter and that people were going to find me out. And then what was going to happen is they were going to expose me for being the fraud that I was. Very real, very true. Our author today, Colleen Montserrat, is, uh, by the way, you're going to love her French accent, but I just, <laughs> I'm just going to just tell you that right away. You're going to love her French accent. Um, I, I'm just telling you, she's vulnerable. She's honest. She's real when it comes to this book, and we're going to pick her brain and what she's learned in her life story, uh, as well as her studies and her research of overcoming imposter syndrome. It's going to be awesome, so stay with us wherever you are and wherever you're watching us live feel free to type in your questions uh colleen will be happy to answer your questions as well uh where she can and if you're watching us on dbtv all over the world welcome um thanks for joining us uh podcast folks take notes but not while you're driving okay please uh those listening to us on radio from coast to coast uh thank you for uh listening to the show again uh, if you're driving and taking notes please Talk into something, but don't don't write anything down while you're driving. Uh, before we get started in the show, though, let's do what we do every week, right? Uh, we're four-part people. We're physical, mental, emotional, spiritual people. And the fact of the matter is, if we are not growing, we are dying because we do not stay static. And so what we do is we have you out there uh, in listening land and viewing land. Evaluate yourself on these four scales, physical, mental, emotional, spiritual, on a scale of one to ten, one being the worst, 10 being the best. So physically, what we're talking about is five being average. How would you rate yourself when it comes to exercise, eating right, getting enough sleep, drinking enough water, right? Now, whatever that number is for you, it's okay because that's just a starting point. So if you say, oh, Jay, I'm miserable, I'm a two, that's okay. What can you do right now to change it to a 2.5, right? If you're a seven, and, and, and you go, well, okay, you know, I'm pretty good. I'm a seven. Okay, what can you do to get to maybe a 7.25? 
right? The point is you can't go from wherever you're at to a 10, right? We have to constantly do work. We have to be disciplined. We need to be doing something every day. So whatever that number is, hold on to that number because that's your first number, okay? Second number is the mental intellectual number, right? So what do we mean by that? Well, you cannot be a couch potato, sit on a couch and just think that somehow you're going to absorb knowledge and understanding and wisdom about you and your life or your work and somehow magically it's going to happen. No, it's got to be an active participant in your intellectual growth. And because we're right brain and left brain people, we need to be exercising that creativity side of our brain as well as the logical side of the brain. What's a great, what's a good way to do that? Here's a good idea. Read a book. A book will help exercise both halves of your brain. But you could do other things. Take up an instrument. Learn a foreign language, right? You could do a number of things to help you grow in your wisdom and knowledge. So on a scale of 1 to 10, how would you say you're doing there? Okay, that's your second number. Third number is the emotional number. And I make it really simple. Uh, Dr. Daniel Goleman has written tons of work, done tons of work on emotional intelligence. And in fact, uh, you would argue in this book for me, uh, by Colleen is that she talks a lot about your emotional intelligence and the growth of your emotional intelligence because you know how well are you able to control your emotions under stress and pressure that's the first part of it right because sometimes what happens when we're imposter syndrome we don't do a very good job of controlling our emotions right the second part of it is because sometimes we take things too personally mm. Ever heard of that? Yeah, I think so. And then the second part of that is how well are you able to tap into and understand the emotions of other people? By the way, other people may be yourself. How well do you understand your own emotions? Because oftentimes what happens is that we get we 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 don't really tap into our own emotions. We don't acknowledge them as being real or we pass them over as being silly but the truth of the matter is we have to be able to understand our own emotions where they come from so that we can label them as Colleen's going to talk about and move on and be able to move on in a healthy way so on a scale of one to ten how would you say you're doing emotionally and then finally the fourth area is the spiritual area and, you know, a lot of people are uncomfortable with the spiritual area because they don't know how to deal with that, really. But the, but here is something I want you to think about. Whether we want to admit it in our brain, there is something inside us that wants to connect with something other than ourselves. We want to co connect deeply with not just another person, but something that's bigger than who we are. And, you know, a lot of people get turned off by the word religion. I don't like the word religion either. I really don't. But I do like the word faith because we all live by faith. You woke up this morning. And when you went to bed, you didn't know if you'd wake up. You woke up. You believed that you would. You make plans for the future that don't happen. You believe those plans are going to happen. That's faith. You, you see the walk, the sign that says walk on the crosswalk. And you believe the cars are not going to hit you. That's faith. And then what brings you back to a place of centeredness when your life is in chaos? What can give you a sense of joy in the midst of crazy circumstances? Is it God? Is it nature? Is it meditation? Is it something else? And then the question, is it working for you? And if it's not, what needs to change? Those four areas are like the air in the tires of your car. 
If the t one tire in your car is low, your car veers one way or another. If all four tires are low, what happens? You're going to ruin the car over the course of time. So we want to bring our tires to the right height. And speaking of someone who does that, her name is Colleen Monserrat. Uh, she is a passionate author driven by a mission to help others thrive. She weaves her captivating stories that transcend boundaries with a deep understanding of personal struggles. Um, Colleen draws from her own experiences living with a hereditary disease to empower readers to discover their inner strength. In a world where it's easy to do on losses, Colleen endeavors to remind humanity and all of us of its inherent abundance. Life owes us nothing, but pursuing our dreams becomes a triumphant voyage when we embrace the power of self-awareness, resilience, and perseverance. Gosh, I love that. At the heart of her philosophy lies the conviction that we are the author of our own destinies. Every choice we make and every reaction to life circumstances unfolds a unique and captivating story a narrative that only we can script. And I think that is so beautiful. So ladies and gentlemen, please welcome to uh, the show and welcome for the first time to A New Direction, Colleen Monserrat. Welcome to the show, Colleen. Thank you, IJ. Thank you so much for having me. Great yeah. introduction. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Uh, well, let's dig right into this book. Um, it's fabulous. I love this book. It's, it's outstanding. Um, you define imposter syndrome as a pervasive feeling of self-doubt, insecurity, and incompetence despite evidence that you are skilled and successful. When you hear that definition that you wrote, how many, how often do you think you went through that and how, how prevalent do you think it is in society? So if we look only for now at professional because the argument I make in the book is that, in fact, it can affect a lot of areas of your life, mm -hmm. but you just like we just don't talk about it. So that's why we we only think about professional settings. In the professional settings, I think my last job in corporate, like uh, I was working as the global marketing manager for two uh, luxury fragrance brands. Mm -hmm. Uh, was very the ones where I suffered the most from it because I got promoted very quickly in a field that I never worked before. So usually, of course, you're going to feel much more like an imposter when you've never worked somewhere. Right. And I found as well, the older you get, uh, the more you might feel like an imposter, especially at work, because when you're young, you don't think you know uh so much and you might be more delusional you know full of open dreams you have less consequences so for me it was much harder when uh when i reached uh, this job and it took a very bad turn for my health and when i look at people around i think a lot of people are feeling it and you see in companies the ones that are the most doubting themselves and you see the ones that are very confident and uh, don't uh, really deal with the issue, but they, they less, uh, yeah, I would say less people like this. And they're usually going to be the ones who want to take everything you do for themselves, you know, right. <laughs> like as credit. But I think it's very prevalent, but I think it's a spectrum as well. Uh -huh. So I will clarify this from the beginning. Um, a small pinch of imposter syndrome, in my opinion, it's very useful because it will keep you to want to grow, to learn more and say, no, I, I can do better, I can do better. But that's a small pinch. The right. problem is 
sometimes we over uh, do and uh, we end up in the bad spectrum where it takes your entire life and after you feel like an imposter with your family with your friends with your partner and uh, it's in fact it's so present in your life that it becomes an, your identity mm. like almost like a second skin and that's why it's hard to get rid of it because you're not you it's easier for your brain to stay comfortable with the belief it has built all the years and try to get rid of it when it's so prevalent will be so uncomfortable for you that you rather stay and not understanding because a lot of people think their brains are here to make them happy it's not the goal of your brain to be happy the goal is to stay safe safe keep living and reproduce mm. so you cannot build a lot of false belief your entire life your brain will do everything for you to keep them because it just wants you to be safe mm. and we are safe even when we are uh indulging in very bad habits unfortunately right. so you bring up in this first chapter, which is entitled The Consequences of Imposter Syndrome, you say that the problem with being an imposter is that this feeling of fraud leads you to an overwhelming feeling of shame. Explain how shame and imposter syndrome are connected. Because you, when you feel like an imposter, you're going to feel like a fraud, but meaning that Every day, almost every day, when you're going to put your mask on, people are going to tell you, congratulations, oh, you did well, that's amazing, uh, great job. You, inside of yourself, are, is just thinking, I'm lying. Like, they, they, they don't realize that that's not true. So you start to feel, as well, very shameful. And it, it adds up to, to, to the thing, because... In one sense, you cannot very say something to the other person because you don't want to be found out, but you're still living with this shame, thinking mm. that you're lying uh, to them and the consequences will get way higher when they're going to realize that, in fact, you are a fraud. Mm. So it's a little bit like even for, for some people to, you know, you have some people when they do something bad, even if it's a very small thing, they will try to do everything they get they can to get caught, to get punishment mm. uh, for the thing because they believe that they deserve it. Mm. And you can start to indulge uh, in that. And that's why you're going to start to to want to people please or you're going to take everything personally be because you're going to think everything is about you because for you, you have this tunnel vision that is taking over you Mm. that everyone you're lying to everyone and in addition to losing your job you're gonna lose the respect uh the the friendship maybe with your co-workers so it really takes a toll on you but when you are in it you don't really like personally i i, I knew something was not so right mm -hmm. that sometimes i was acting in a way that was detrimental to myself or I was feeling guilty or ashamed uh, for things that I didn't do. Uh, but I, I was still keeping going because the problem is until you don't have very harsh consequences, 
I think as humans, it's very hard to wake up. That's, you know, a question, philosophical question that I often ask myself, can human learn without living adverse consequences? Mm. Personally, uh, I think it's very difficult for yeah. myself. I do too. <laughs> so, I, I think you have to, I think you, I think we have to go through hard times to wake up. But the thing is, imagine if you're someone that is so much crippled with self-doubt, because for me, imposter syndrome, I see it, you know, as an umbrella. You have an, your, an umbrella that is closed. You know, the button to push open, this is self-doubt. Once you push self-doubt, the imposter syn uh, syndrome umbrella opens and you think you're protected, like th th that you're safe. When in fact, there is all everywhere and it's just a disaster. But because you mm. think that you're protected by acting like this, it's a coping mechanism, in fact. Mm. So you just keep going. And until you fix at least the self-doubt first, and self-doubt, it's the roots of a lot of uh, unhealthy behaviors uh, in humans. But and it's very hard to build self-doubt. You're going to keep going. And if, like, imagine you get, uh, you self-sabotage yourself to the point that you get fired. Because we talk a lot about manifestation. And uh, if you visualize, it can happen. And I totally agree, but it works both ways. Mm. If you visualize bad things happening to us or feeling like this, uh, like a fraud uh, every day, you're going to do actions that are actually going to sabotage uh, your own work. And so imagine you get fired, you will say, okay, that's an adverse consequences. Maybe the person will wake up, but not always. They can go even more, like more lower to the ground if they don't decide to become self-aware and, and to wake up. So you see people going through life with the same events happening to them over and over and over again because they don't learn the lesson. And so that's why I was, I really wanted to write this book to say, okay, my consequences were, were very kind of, I don't go that far, mm. like wake up uh, before and work on yourself because you're going to, it's your life that is at risk, not someone else's life. Yeah. Well, and then for you, you had physical consequences. From yeah. Uh, that 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 cost you dearly. Um, yeah, you know, a lot of different things cost you because it went from, you know, you had uh, this rare pancreatic disease that was handed to you from your family. I think it came, yes. came from your dad's side. Yes. And then and then then it turned into diabetes. Uh, now I have a, yeah, yeah type yeah. one diabetes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, then it turned into type one diabetes. And if that wasn't enough. You know, then 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 we had a prolapse. Yeah. Right. <laughs> and 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 because you didn't want to deal with that, that wound up. They wound up having to. I, I guess they did a hysterectomy. Isn't that what they did? Uh, they did. Um, uh, yes, it, it's a little bit, a bit like this. It's a rectoplexy. Yeah. Uh, with mesh, I was operated by a robot. Can you believe it? <laughs> it's, it's very technology. But yeah, the cost was high for me, and, and now I still have kidney issues. So I got two new surgeries. Yeah, because you, uh, you had the kidney stone. Yeah, you had the kidney stones too. 
Uh, I, I'm a, a huge producer of kidney stone. Like the nurse told me once that if they were gold, I would be millionaire. I say, <laughs> I know. <laughs> Unfortunately, they're not. <laughs> and, and, but but it was, I, go ahead. But, but I paid a very high cost, but this is still the best thing that happened in my life. Because I don't think I will have wake up without like when in the space of a month, your life, like you go through sepsis, you learn when your one of your organ is dead, uh, you have 5% chance of only surviving one of the surgery and you're like 29. You're really wondering how the heck do, did you end up in this situation? And it was a wake up call because I could not keep going like this. And I did it to myself. It is not my fault that I have a genetic disease. I was born with it. But it's my it was my responsibility and it's still my responsibility to, to take care of it. And I decided to blind myself, to not wake up, to not see uh, everything that could happen. And I keep carrying the heavy weight of low self-esteem, self-doubt, ruminating during like going sleepless at night, uh, frustrated uh, with, with the, the work and trying to push like overworking to try to prove my worth uh, to the world when in fact I needed the most to prove to me my own worth because my company had no question about it, but I could not see it because I didn't believe in myself. Mm. So to say but i did it to myself i paid yeah. the price for something uh that's yeah I, I choose to do okay so all right so we're gonna talk about this in just a minute here um okay so folks you you've got kind of a brief history of colleen Monserrat's uh story you've heard how she her perseverance you've already heard it we're gonna get into how do we deal with imposter syndrome because the price of imposter syndrome affected her physically, and yet you could see her positive attitude. And we're going to talk about it right after we take this break. You're listening to Colleen Monserrat and her book, You Are Not an Imposter, here on A New Direction. Hey, folks, uh, Epic Physical Therapy, my physical therapist, I think they should be yours too, whether you're recovering from uh, injury, surgery, suffering everyday aches and pains, having difficulty performing activities of daily living, you could be a professional athlete. Uh, and you're just looking to improve yourself. Listen, the elite team at Epic Physical Therapy will provide you with customized treatment programs specifically designed for you. So listen, when you're ready for your Epic Relief, your Epic Recovery, Epic Results, do not look any further. Go to EpicPT.com. That's E-P-I-C-P-T.com and Linda Craft Team Realtors for going, it's, it's 39 years they've been helping people transition in life. How do they do that? You say they're real estate. Yeah, I know. But think about it. every place you've ever lived has been a transition in life. They know how to take the stress out of that particular part of that transition. So when you're ready to sell or buy your next home and make your next transition, talk to the folks at Linda Craft Team Realtors. That's lindacraft.com. L-I-N-D-A-C-R-A-F-T.com. And we're back here on A New Direction with uh, my friend, Colleen Montserrat. And uh, her book, uh, You Are Not an Imposter. And uh, we're talking about imposter syndrome, uh, which, by the way, statistics say that 70% of everyone is going to feel it uh, at some point, going to go through it. You're probably listening to the show. And, and, and for Colleen, 
you know, what happened was because she got so she felt like she was an imposter in her job. It cost her a lot of health issues. Uh, and um, it can and we want to help you avoid that for sure. Um, one of the things you say, Colleen, is that we are really we're very here's I'm quoting you. We are very good at analyzing our friends and talking about how they lack self-awareness. And then when it comes to ourselves, we forget everything that we preach. And you talk about self-awareness as being really the key to unlocking our own uh, our, our, our own imposter syndrome. Talk about self-awareness and the importance of self-awareness and, and, and getting through imposter syndrome. Yes, yeah, so... Self-awareness, you know, when you said about the book, uh, you've been very honest. And one of the reasons it's because we, it's very difficult to be self-aware. It's not anyone's fault. It's your brain. Your, uh, for your, imagine you've been living, uh, for decades with a false, false belief. For example, uh, I'm not like worthy of anything. Imagine for your brain to tell it. Okay, but it's a wrong belief. It's false. So what I've been living for decades with a belief that actually cost me a lot of things, mm -hmm. it's going to be very hard. So when you decide to be very, very self-aware about what you do, your action may be realized when you judge others. Uh, because for we, I, I like to say you judge others because... We usually judge people for things we reproach about ourselves. Mm -hmm. So it's a pure reflection. So it gives us a lot of insight about things we need to change and work on, on ourselves. But it, must, it, it can be very um, shameful to admit it. And so when you go to, like, when you decide to be self-aware, go with compassion and without blaming. But if you don't wake up, if you spend, for example, you're someone, you, you talked about food earlier. I hear a lot of people in the diabetes community. I don't understand. My blood sugar is high and I don't eat uh, sugary things. Uh, my diet is very perfect. And usually a lot of diabetics, they say this to the doctor. And last time I was with my doctor and he was like, yeah, we need to understand why sometimes you go up. And I watch him, I say, I know exactly why I go up. I ate shitty food. I didn't take enough insulin. It went up. It's my fault. Yes, it does not put me in a good light. But if I don't admit things, if you're not truly aware of your action, your belief, what are you saying to yourself, mm -hmm. you cannot change them. So be compassionate. Do not blame. And my tips and what really helped me, it's writing them down. You say it's very complicated to deal with emotion. And one of the things that I love doing about this, it's when, uh, for example, someone make me angry. We're usually going to say, oh, this person made me angry. I'm not happy, but I'm like, thank you. Because now I can try to understand why did this person make me angry? What did this person say that in my brain made me like get this emotion and so i will journal a lot and i will try to understand get to the bottom of it once you know why you feel those things why you feel you're not worthy and you write them down you put them aside and few days later you come back but put yourself in your friend's shoes like you're talking to a friend that's not you on this journal and you rewrite all the belief because until you don't 
rewrites and you don't write new neural pathway in your brain with other belief, uh, you can just keep doing the same mistake. And we talk a lot about free will. Personally, I do not believe uh, that we have free will or only a very small amount of people because when we come to this world, we build schemata in our brain, mental blocks of everything that happens to us. And it's going to be a lot of uh, belief. And it's based on your environment, your parents, how you interpret the word. And based on that, we make choices and take decisions. So if we really want free will, we need to be able to, every time we face something, to watch from a completely neutral, without bias eyes and take a decision. So we all like to believe that we are right, but sometimes our beliefs are wrong. And questioning your belief is super important if you want to change them and grow. You know, it's so interesting uh, that your per- your perspective on free will. I think it's really, really, really interesting because you know I think all of us want to believe that we have free will, but then when you think about everything that you've done in your childhood, everything that's happened to you in your childhood, you know, we create these beliefs and these beliefs uh, actually don't allow us to make free choices because our belief system has making the choice for us. So until we challenge those beliefs, we really don't have free will because we're really not free to choose because we can get locked into imposter syndrome, right? Who would choose imposter syndrome? Nobody would. That would not be, if we had free will, there would not be a choice. Self-doubt would not be a choice. You know, low self-esteem would not be a choice. And it's because, wow, that's really interesting, Colleen. I love that. That's a great perspective. Yeah, and look, if you have self-doubt, you put into like a choice at work, or uh, you need uh, to take this project because Mm -hmm. nobody can, and you don't want to take it, but you have self-doubt, you you just want to people, please, you're going to take it, and you're not even going to second think about it because for you, the most important it's to people, please, it's you don't like, you're not confident with yourself. So a lot in your life, most of the choices you make are based solely on the belief of yourself and the world that you have built. And until you learn how to question your belief, uh, you're not going to be able to leave. And that's why you see people at 60, 65, 70 years old still saying like, for example, uh, men are all bad or women are all bad and no, nobody can trust. And they just never realize that it's something that happened to them without their approval, like often when they were a kid, that lead them to build a belief that screw up their life. Mm -hmm. So it's very important. You know, it's, it's interesting, the people pleasing, you know, when I was reading, when I was reading this book and we got to people pleasing, you know, it was not initially readily apparent, you know, how people pleasing and imposter syndrome connect. But if you're an imposter, if you feel like you're an imposter in your work, you want to do everything you can for everybody else so that nobody finds you out. Mm. It, it's a coping mechanism. Yeah. Yeah, because you're 
you're trying to please everybody so that nobody finds out because you feel like you're an imposter. So just say yes to everything and then nobody will ever know. Oh, yeah, and it can become an after also an excuse. Uh, yeah. And you see it as well uh, in personal life when you feel like an imposter with your friend, like you've got a group of friends and you're like, oh my God, when they're going to realize I'm not that cool Oh my gosh, and it's so true. Uh, you're right. Yeah, you know, when, 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 when are my friends going to realize I'm really not the cool person that they think I am? Oh, that's so good. Yeah, good accept to do everything because you don't want to bother like you you just want to show that they, they need you to stay with them and people pleasing it's really a reaction mm. we like to because the thing is it can be seen as a, a knight in shining armor you know mm. thing and i do admit i felt like this when i was indulging in people pleasing deep down i was ruminating to have like to, to accept to do things I didn't have time to do. But on the other end, I felt like I was needed that uh, it's people will want to stay with me and keep me in their team because I was so helpful. And the, the, the problem, it's, 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 it's a very bad habit. Uh, I'm not saying never help anyone right right but, right, right. Uh, but, but, but from it but uh usually you you do recognize yourself when you're doing it way way too much and it's very for me it's a coping mechanism it's it's the same than perfectionism perfectionism can be yep. seen in society as something that is amazing and uh, and we cover it like we always say in the job interview my flow is perfectionism but in fact it's a coping mechanism and it actually can hurt a lot of company uh, and even friendships like outside. And that's why I wish we talk about imposter syndrome as well in other areas than the professional ones, because uh, in friendship of as a parent, for example, when you see people who feel like imposters with their own kids, uh, it, it's very hurting from the insides and it comes with a lot of self-doubt. So, Yeah, so, you know, it, it, perfectionism is interesting too. But by the way, this seems so connected. Like, I, I know we'll get to it, but, you know, the people-pleasing thing, right? And then there's this quest for perfectionism and then there's workaholism and they all seem to kind of fit together because, you know, you talk about, you know, this perfectionism and I have, I have been known to be a self-perfectionist where I will uh, get down on myself because I didn't think I did it good enough, that I have to do it better or because it wasn't perfect. Or, um, and I'll ruminate over and over again. How, could, how stupid could I be because I didn't make it perfect? And you talk about this infinite quest for perf perfection. And you talk about uh, it, this cover-up perfectionism. And this is the perfectionism that you have that's developed to try to cover up your lack of self-esteem and feeling like an imposter. And, you know, you talk about further that perfectionism, our self-perfection is a way of actually trying to control everything. Mm. Right? 
you, it's a good excuse. That's not perfect. So <laughs> I, I need to control. And you know, it's always, I, I, I didn't talk, uh, put this example in the book, but uh, when I was working uh, in my corporate job, uh, one of the creator uh, of the brand, she was using perfectionism uh, as a cover up, but we ended up launching zero product for some years because nothing was never perfect enough. But in fact, she was just scared deep down that it will not work, that she will be ashamed, that it will be like she will be failing. So we cover like it's a little bit once again, uh, um, something that society can see as glamorous all that they want because it's not perfect. But in fact, you're just not advancing. Uh, you're not nothing can be perfect. Right nothing can be perfect in life because first I don't have the same definition of perfection than you. Mm. So it, it, it's kind of a quest that you can never win. And the thing is, the more you do something, the more it will get better. But you need to, to launch things, to, 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 to really practice. And if you always stop because it's not perfect enough, you will never grow once again. So right. sometimes we need to accept the fact that we can do better uh, and it, it comes with time mm. and uh, to accept criticism also, learn to, to do it. This is not easy. Uh, but I think perfectionism is, is um, a problem we have now because once, you know, it's like overworking. How many, especially uh, I used to live in the U.S. In the U.S. they have the hustle culture like, uh, this is so good. Like this employee, they stay 80 hours a week. While now we know that actually those people are less productive than someone who work less. But because it was seen as a badge of honor, we kept going on ru ruining people's health and life. Yeah. And uh, I, I, it's the same for me as uh, perfectionism. It, it's a badge of honor. So we, we don't question it. And And you know, you say something about, you know, you say something that chasing perfection does not make us better. It makes us a prisoner of ourselves, is what you wrote in the book. And then you said perfection, is it, it, it isn't a place of strength. It's really, it, it, you said it for you, it said it isn't a place of strength that started to be my biggest weakness. Is yeah, because when it becomes, it's it's always a question of balance. Mm. Uh, so I, now I'm a business owner. I will always try for things to be uh, perfect in like the details and everything. But I cannot stop myself to actually do something. That's when you become a prisoner. When you want to be so perfect that you paralyze and you end up doing nothing. Uh, and it becomes uh, uh, an excuse. And uh, after, when it comes, we also want often to be perfect ourselves. Like we want the perfect body, uh, the, the perfect clothes, the perfect house, the perfect everything. And I think with social media, it just became uh, even worse. And, and what I argue in the book, I say perfectionism is the most boring thing in the world. Nobody wants to be friends with the perfect person. Right. Imagine they make you look like a fool. Yeah. <laughs> right. 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 So and yet and yet we look at the perfect people thinking, oh, I want their life, but who wants to be around anybody who's perfect? Yeah. 
and and who has yeah. the perfect life i think and that's why i think social media is, we need to be very careful because it's created feed it's right. it's not reality and we are older we know life without social media but right. it's i think it's very scary for the younger generation that grew up with it and don't realize that no like people have actually acne sometimes on their face and they don't have like flawless skin right. they, because otherwise this their mental health is going to very uh go down you know you know i want to i want to say something about social media that make a point here you know social we see social media and it is a snapshot of a person's life lives are a continuous video and what happens is we could take a slice of anybody's life at any given moment and it can look unbelievably fantastic. But if we don't have the whole entire video, we really don't know what a person's life really is. Yeah. That, that's, and, that's, that's what's so important. I'm, I'm what I would do. We're going to, we're to keep yeah. continue talking about this. Colleen, hold on with me. Um, by the way, we're talking with Colleen Montserrat, her book, uh, you are not an imposter. Oh my gosh, so good. Um, Overcoming Imposter Syndrome, Unlock Your True Potential So You Can Thrive in Life. You are listening to her here on A New Direction. Hey folks, Epic Physical Therapy, got to tell you something about them. Uh, they offer the most advanced top-of-the-line equipment, including the Ultra-G Anti-Gravity Treadmill, the Normatec Compression Sleeves, uh, my favorite, the Game Ready, Ice and Compression All-in-One. But it's just a few. Look, they're trained, certified, and the most comprehensive cutting-edge treatments like blood flow, restriction therapy, dry needling, cupping, and that's just a few. When you're ready for your Epic Relief, Epic Recovery, Epic Results, don't look any further. Go to EpicPT.com. It's E-P-I-C-P-T.com. And Linda Craft Team Realtors, 39 years. Uh, they've been serving thousands of people all over the world. Listen, they're hiring. Uh, they're looking for great agents, and maybe that's you. So if you live in the Research Triangle Park of North Carolina and you're looking for a place to hang your North Carolina broker's license, check out Linda Craft Team Realtors. I'm going to tell you, uh, they are, they they really are the transition experts. They really are, they're also known as the legends of customer service. Just go to lindacraft.com. It's L-I-N-D-A-C-R-A-F-T.com. Join the team. You're going to look, glad, be glad that you did. And we're back here on a new direction uh, with my friend Colleen Monserrat. Uh, are you having? Are you enjoying this, Colleen? Are you having a good time? Uh, very much, very much. <laughs> good. Um, I, you know, I want to. I, I know we've been talking about perfectionism, and we talked uh, a little also, you know, about you know self doubt, self worth. There's a couple other things I want to talk about is workaholism, because as a uh, I guess you could call yourself as a recovering uh, <laughs> imposter syndrome person. Uh, workaholism is something that uh, uh, people who struggle with imposter syndrome feel like they, they in order to compensate for their imposter syndrome, they have to work more and harder. And that was something you struggled with, and you would not quit. You didn't know when to say when. And I thought it was really interesting because you bring up a uh, a Japanese word here that is um, it's called karoshi, and it is a term in Japanese culture for death due to overwork. And you wrote many people work more than seventy hours a week in Japan. This is seen as quote unquote normal and honorable. 
Um, there are there are an estimated 10,000 deaths per year from this practice, either from dying as a direct result of overwork or people committing suicide as they can no longer bear the pressure. Um, and this is a study from 2021. Workaholism. You, you wouldn't stop, would you? You just kept going. You keep going. And you know, that's uh, in Japan, they, they're facing this issue because the problem, once again, it's you keep going. And the problem is if you push too hard, the moment your body reacts, it's too late. Right. So a lot of those Japanese, uh, often men, they collapse from uh, heart attack. And from one day to the other, and it shocked me, like when I found out about this, it was after everything that happened uh, to me and I was at work and I printed the page and I put it in my boss uh, office uh, for her because she was also indulging in the same issue. So we were pushing literally each other, which uh, really didn't help. And like, I love working even now. uh, uh, I write every day. Uh, I love my job, but I know when to stop. And the problem is we think that the more we work, uh, the more we, we, we do, the best we have seen. While now studies show that to be very productive, uh, it's not work more. Uh, it, it's really to learn how to take breaks, uh, to go woke. Uh, to relax your brain. And that's when you get uh, to be much more productive. So in fact, and it's something that took me a very long time to realize. I actually, like, I, I decided to stop when I, I was in my one of my last surgeries in my hospital bed on my phone, uh, working after a 12 hours surgery. And, and I, I went, and I was working for French people. So they, they used to normally having us like a, uh, health, uh, you know, um, uh, like you can stop uh, w- when right. you're sick. It's different than in uh, in the U.S. It was in Dubai, but uh, and I, I said I-, I can't. I will not die for someone else. Mm. Like it's not a valuable reason. There is nothing honorable. And when you dance with death, um, mm. the first thing you realize it's on your death tomb. You're not going to write CEO, marketing direct. Like you have really no care when you go really deep down in issue where you, you're really scared to die. You're never thinking about um, uh, the, the, the job and which title you had and what people thought about you at your job. But the problem is you need to wake up before it happens. And this is, I think, uh, uh, the issue that in Japan, that's the issue they're, they're having. And in Japan, it's even harder because you have really a sense uh, of loyalty that comes uh, from your job and that can affect your family. Mm. Uh, when I was uh, living in uh, San Diego, one of my close friends, she was Japanese. And I always have been very shocked. Uh, it was that back in the day where Chernobyl happened. And they needed people to go turn down uh, the, the central, which will kill them. And I was like, who is going to accept to go? Like, you, you, you need to be crazy. And she was like, but you have no choice because if they don't go, their own entire family is going to be shunned and say, uh, like, their they, son, they, like, yeah, you bring shame, whoever you bring, was with You bring shame on the family. You bring shame, yes. So they feel pressure to go. 
and uh, and so it, it, it's very like hard uh, uh, there. And in, in the US, it's a little bit also, and even in yeah. other country, uh, now we see it's the same. You you feel you don't want to do it, but you and we see now the new generation, the Gen Z, when they're saying on TikTok they quiet quitting and they don't yeah. want to work. The older generation, we we look at them and say, why? Why you don't want to do uh, something? Because in I think deep down we feel ashamed to have accepted, mm. to to have gone through all of this, to have pushed ourselves uh, to to a lot of health issue, family yeah. issue, uh, because we overworked and because we have done it, it can be hard to accept that other refuse uh, this the system that we we have uh, lived in you know yeah and uh so I, I want to ask you uh, we're, we're we're getting down here to the last few minutes um first of all the book's great but i want to i want to ask you to help the listeners who are out there okay who who have imposter syndrome give us some ways to overcome imposter syndrome so the the first step is self-awareness as uh, as i said before with the journal write down you need to rewrite uh, the belief. So really, it's important to create new neural pathway. So once uh, in your journal, you write down every time, I'm worth it. You, like all the counter belief, whatever you have them, you wrote them. After, you need to act. Because it's you can do as much, it's personal belief, you can do as much pers- uh, affirmation in front of your mirror, I'm confident. But if after your action doesn't match confidence, your brain will never believe it. So you really need to take action. And that's why people pleasing, it's very hard to get rid of because the only way to get rid of it, it's through action. So you're going to need to push through the incomfort of uh, changing your behavior. So next time, if someone asks you, for example, to do something and you don't have time, you will have to say no. Don't try to justify like we all, you know, try to say, oh, no, but I can my grandmother. Like, don't try. Just, just say no. And it's, please know that it will be uncomfortable at the beginning. Your brain will try to tell you that you're just doing something awful, that the person is going to hate you and everything. But it's just your brain trying to stay safe. Mm. Uh, and like everything in life, you need to face your fear. And never forget that the more you fear something, strangely enough, the more the same events uh, with this fear will happen to you. So you need to pass and go through it and do slowly by slowly. An habit, you form it uh, by doing small things every day. So you can do your affirmation. Meditation actually helped me a lot. I do. So I don't know if I can call it meditation, but if you know, for example, the roots of uh, certain beliefs that are stopping you. One exercise that I love doing, it's I go through meditation uh, stage, like breathing exercise. You can find some on YouTube. And after I go meet my younger self at the age, like when the event happened, and I change the story. Because the, the story that is in your brain, you just need to change the narrative. So for example, uh, the event that happened like... Uh, if, for example, when you were young, your parents told you that uh, you 
didn't do good, like you're a bad kid, uh, you could have done better, and it traumatized you, it made you create self-doubt, you go back and you say to yourself, young, no, but respond to them. Say to them, no, I did my best, and next time I will do best. Rewrite the story. Mm. So the narrative is no longer holding any trauma, any bad uh, like belief that you've had. So do it every two, three days, and it works a blessing. And I've done it for a lot of other issues in my life, and it was uh, truly helpful. And just be self-aware every time, like in the day, if you indulge, for example, in uh, thinking that everybody's talking about you when it's not true, acknowledge it mm. to yourself. Say, oh, yeah, okay, that that's, I think, false and I did it and laugh it out often like don't uh, blame yourself and keep uh, keep smiling and be aware because the more you're going to be aware about all your bad behaviors the more it's going to be you're going to be forced to change them because you're going to be like I cannot stay like this mm -hmm. so really even if at the beginning it's too uncomfortable you don't want to change at least acknowledge it and over time the more you acknowledge it, the more you will want to change. I think those are great. I, I, you know, one of the things you also talk about is gratitude. You know, just okay. right. And and I'm a, big, I'm a yeah, I'm a, yeah, being grateful. I just, you know, I think that's a, I think that's a key piece. I know I love to start my day with gratitude. You know, what am I grateful for? Uh, first thing in the morning. I just think it's so important to, to you know, have gratitude. Um, you, you've been a marvelous guest. We've done an hour already on the show it's gone very very fast um tell tell people who are watching and listening how they can get a hold of you or can learn more about what you're doing as well so i'm um, on social media uh, colin montserrat nothing fancy <laughs> and after uh, i do have a website for you are not an imposter.com and there is a lot of free resources there and i've also listed all the books uh, podcast that I've listened during my journey that helped me uh, on a lot of different subjects it goes from neuroscience to psychology to health to a lot of things. So if uh, people uh, want to go check it out as well, uh, they can. It's free. <laughs> yeah, it's awesome. You've been great. Um, will you stay with me for a little bit, please? Um, yeah. Hey, folks, this is the show. Uh, listen, you know what? You have. There's a lot of things in your life that are out of your control, but there are three things that are always in your control. That's your attitude, your effort, and your resiliency. I know that life can deal us all sorts of things, but you have a choice of what your attitude is going to be today. Your effort is your choice on how excellent you want to be today, and we all get knocked down, and it's up to you to decide whether you're going to get back up again. Take control of those things because they're within your control. I'm going to be back next week. It's going to be another great guest. It's going to be another great book, which means it's automatically going to be another great show. As I say to you all over, you know what that is. And that is, you know what? You had a lot of choices. You chose us. I thank you for that. Give us a thumbs up on YouTube. Give us a positive review wherever you're listening to the show. And as I say to you all over the world, and I appreciate you so much. Ciao, everything. You can find the strength to go a different way, yeah. Your dreams will take you places you have never been before Find your passion, find your strength